Welcome to Limitless Chatter. With me tonight is my ministry partner, Stephanie. Hi. <laughs> and tonight we have with us Tish Williams. She is from West Virginia. I've known Tish forever, it feels like. We met back in junior high. I won't tell you how long ago that was, but you can <laughs> imagine it's been a few years. But before we start talking with Tish, I would like for Stephanie to lead us in a prayer. Lord, we want to thank you for this opportunity to come together, to share your word, to learn from your word. And Lord, ask that you would bless the hearts of those that hear this message. We ask that those who need to hear it find this recording somehow or we want to share the hope of your love the hope of eternity with you lord we just want to spread that word so that everybody has an opportunity to come to you thank you for giving us this platform to share that with in jesus name we pray amen amen so a few weeks ago, I reached out to Tish. It was heavy on my heart that uh, she should be a guest on our show. She has a history um, of addiction and other things. And I just asked her to come on and basically share her testimony and let us know kind of how she's doing in her life. So welcome, <laughs> Tish. Thank you. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> So I'll just let you go ahead and, and start talking and we'll just jump in if we have questions or, okay. or something. Thank you. Okay. Um, so just a little backstory. Um, I was raised in church. My parents have been married for 51 years this year. Um, my dad is a minister. My grandfather was a minister. My little brother is a minister. I, so I was raised in church. I literally, and I used to say this to people. I used to say, you know, um, when I would talk about uh, the Bible or talk about God and stuff to um, crazy friends out drinking or anything, you know, I would say, you know, I'm, I'm a lot worse than you right now because I, I'm going to be punished so much harder because I, I know better. You know, I, I know so much better than to be doing what I'm doing right now. But also, I think it's really important to mention that for kids who are raised in church, um, parents truly need to beware because, um, as I said, I was raised in church and I was, I went to church a lot of times, three and four times a week. And, you know, because we had like uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, youth right. group, Bible study, things like that. And we did a lot of things with the church. So with that being said, I didn't learn a lot. I didn't learn a lot about the Bible. And that's very, very important. I learned how, you know, I got a lot of discipline and things like that. And I learned how I was supposed to act and I needed to be nice. And I learned mm -hmm. about the the resurrect or the uh, the death and the resurrection of of Jesus. Um, you know, I learned things like that. John three sixteen. You know, I learned that. But for being raised in church, I really didn't learn what I should have. And I feel like that's that's something that parents really need to be 
um, aware of, you know, even though you're raising your children in church, uh, you need to make sure they're learning. You need to make sure they're learning that word of God, you know, and, and what the Bible, is, you know, what, what God says, you know, I mean, the Bible's there for a reason. That word is, uh-huh. that is our, that is our life. That's our, you know, that's our eternity, you know? And right. so, so I just wanted to say that because I feel like that's really important for somebody who's been, you know, somebody who's been raised in church to realize, you know, after I really started digging into the Bible to realize that I didn't learn anything all those years, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but okay. So, um, with that being said, <laughs> I was, I was raised in church with, uh, three brothers and sisters, but we, um, raised my uncle's children too. So there were seven kids that were raised in my house. Um, we, my, my parents didn't drink. They didn't smoke. They didn't, I think my dad to Levi Garrett, he chewed tobacco for a while, but, um, you know, they were, my dad was, you know, mainly uh, he was an electrician, but he was into farming and stuff like that. Um, my mom, we had three meals a day on the table, you know, I mean, she, she cooked, she cleaned, she did our laundry, you know, I mean, we had a a normal family life, you know, and, and being raised in church. So, um, you know, anybody can get into that life of addiction. It's not just, uh, you know, I come from a very good family. It's, it's not just people Mm -hmm. who lived with parents who, who did drugs or drank or anything like that, you know, and, right. but starting with my first marriage, I got married at 17. I had my first son at 18 and my husband didn't drink or smoke. He didn't do, you know, he worked, but, um, I thought, which he, he was very physically abusive and he almost killed me a few times. And then Mm. he went on when we got, we had two boys together and I started drinking and hiding it from my parents at a very young age. Oh, are you there? Yeah. Okay. There you are. <laughs> I started drinking and hiding it from my parents at a very young age. And then I had to went on to hide it from my husband. And, you know, he, the only times I didn't drink, I think were through my, didn't drink or do anything, any kind of drugs or anything was through my pregnancies. But I really didn't start on drugs until I had my last child, um, my sixth baby. But, um, but as far as the alcohol, you know, I, I hit it and I, I, feel like it's important to say also you know a lot of women go through abuse they go through physical abuse and um but the other side of this that a lot of people don't know and I'm I'm by no means making excuses for him because he knew better you know he he shouldn't have been beating me and he did it was pretty bad sometimes he knocked my teeth out um broke my bones you know he just he almost killed me a few times but the other side of that is um you know, I drank and I hid it from him a lot. And I was very mentally abusive, very mentally abusive. Um, I said and did things to him that, and I didn't realize this until the past few years, you know, how abusive I was to him because his physical abuse kind of overpowered. It kind of shadowed the fact that I was so abusive. So, um, you know, I, I feel like that's important for people to, to know that, you know, when, um, when a man is, you know, like he went on to, to be married two more times and never physically abused his wives. 
I was the only one. So that's kind of, yeah, that kind of tells you something there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, you know, he just didn't know how else to handle me except for physical, you know, except for getting physical. So, cause like mm -hmm. I said, I was very physical, you know, or emotionally, um, abusive, but so I didn't get into the drugs. I went on to, I divorced him. He went to prison after trying to kill me the second time. And I went on to marry, I, we had two boys and then I married my second husband and we had four girls. He worked out of town a lot. I had six children. Mm. He, he worked out of town a lot. And when he was in town, we would get sitters and go to the bars and things like that. We, we, we spent a lot of time at the bars and just drinking and, um, you know, what we called fun back then. Um, and the kid, you know, he made, he's always, you know, he, he's always been a good provider. He always made really good money. He's always been a really good provider. And um, I, because he was out of town a lot, I think with my sixth baby, I had six C-sections and I was on opiates a lot through there. I was on like painkillers and things like that. <coughs> Excuse me. And I got addicted to the opiates. And mm. that addiction brought me down because I couldn't always find pain pills, you know. Yeah. So that addiction brought me down um, to a major depression mixed with the fact that I had six kids. We had football, basketball, baseball, cheerleading, dance gymnastics you know we just had all this stuff and oh. i was left as the only parent to get everybody to practices and games and recitals and they you know and I, I was the only one to do it and i worked so mm -hmm. it was it was it got really hard you know and i got so depressed that i started taking um i started going to this doctor and he started he started me out on a pretty high dose of antidepressants and then nothing seemed to work by the time it was over. But by, by the time I was taking, um, the most medicine I was taking, it was like, I, I took like two antidepressants, two medicines for, um, for anxiety. So I was on like three pills, like three times a day. And it was the highest doses that you could get. And mm -hmm. I was doing good though. I went through the motions, you know, I was, I, the kids were doing well. They were, you know, they had, you know, school, everything was good with school and, you know, everything was kept up with. And then um, one day my kids were outside playing. My son was on the trampoline and he, he fell off and broke his arm and you could visibly see that it was broken. And I was making dinner and he came in and he was crying, you know, I mean, he just broke his arm. And I was like, Oh, that looks really bad. Go sit on the couch. When I'm done with dinner, I will take you to the hospital. When I'm done with dinner, <laughs> looking at my child who had a arm. visibly broken arm <laughs> and I'm saying, when I'm done with dinner, I will take you to the hospital. I had no compassion whatsoever for him that day, you know? Oh, yeah. And I, I, so I, and when I realized that I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't feel anything right now. Mm. Do I even love my kids? Like, yeah. I, do I even love my kids right now? I have no emotion, you know? 
So I ended, I did, I stopped dinner <laughs> and I loaded up all the kids and I took them to the emergency room and I never took my pills again. Mm -hmm. And when I stopped taking my pills, I had been on those for so long. When I stopped taking my medicine, like that cold turkey, I kind of went crazy. Uh. And I started locking, not locking, but I started hiding in the house with the kids. I stopped sending them to school. I just completely crashed. I, I only answered the phone for my husband. Um, and I felt like every time he called, it was because he was trying to do something to me. I don't know. I was real paranoid. And mm. I was, if somebody would knock on the door, I would make the kids hide in the closet and be quiet. And I would hide and be really quiet. I kept all the blinds pulled. I kept all the curtains, you know, all the curtains pulled where nobody could see in my house. I um, was just buying the kids, um, ex you know, big expensive toys just to, so they would not argue with me about staying in the house and about not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I started getting in trouble for truancy. I started getting, you know, all the, having all these problems and that lasted for about six months and the kids barely went to school that year um there was just every once in a while i would go out and find some pain pills or something and then i would the kids would be able to go to school or go to a game or you know or something like that um but for the most part we were just hiding for a long time and then i a friend of mine came up and you know was like um here here's something that's going to help you you know, cause you can't stay on these pain pills. So this person thought they were helping me by bringing me meth. Uh, so, mm, <laughs> so wow. I started doing that. And let me tell you, the kids' hair were, was done. I mean, the girls' hair was done. They looked beautiful every day. They were getting up for school. They were, cause this really worked for me for a while. And then mm. uh, one day I was going on a field trip with my kids and I, with one of my kids that was in, kindergarten and I walked into their school and there's in, in their school there's this big hallway and then the classrooms are off to the side and I was walking down the hallway with my purse going to my child's class and I was like oh wow the canine units here they're showing the kids you know the canine unit and then I walked a little farther and then I was like oh crap the canine units here <laughs> and I had I had a lipstick tube in my purse with meth in it. Can oh, you imagine no. how embarrassed my kids would have been, you know? So I did a U-turn and prayed all the way to the door. Prayed because that's what I knew to do. I prayed all the way to the door that the dogs would not come after me, you know? And I, you know, just went out to the car and I was in the parking lot of my kids' school and I smoke some meth well in the parking lot because I thought well I'll just smoke some before I go in and then I'll just put it you know put it leave it in the car somewhere so I did that went on the field trip you know everything was good um that scared me though and I was like I've, I've got to come off this meth so mm -hmm. I started uh, you know being addicted to the opiates I started doing heroin and then I started leaving my 15 year old with my other five children 
one of them was only a year old. My baby Zoe, who turns 18 tomorrow, was oh, really? only was only a year. She was about 18 months old, and I started uh, leaving my 15 year old with with the other five children, and mm. I was out for like, you know, I would go out all night, come home, check on the kids, and leave again. Um, sometimes I would be gone for days. And again, I was buying him real extravagant toys. I was buying them all like big extravagant toys, things to do, you know, kind of for paying him for taking care of the kids. Um, I would run home when I knew my husband was going to call. I would run home and, you know, talk to him on the phone to make him think nothing was going on. I, long story short, I ended up losing, I spent a, thousands of dollars a week i spent all of our savings i lost two houses mm -hmm. several cars and my husband divorced me and took my children wow so i went to um i and i was shooting up heroin i, I was using it intravenously and i went to a um i went to a friend's house who lived out of town and I said, you know, I'm going to get clean. I'm going to, I'm going to get clean here. I'm going to get clean and I'm going to get my family back. But I went there and guess what I found there? Drugs. More drugs. There was drugs there too. And there was people on drugs there too. So no matter where I went, there was drugs. And I was, mm -hmm. but an experience that I had there one day is that I had went and bought some heroin and what I was doing is I was buying a bunch of heroin and buying like a bunch of cocaine and I was mixing it together and shoot and yeah, and then shooting it and using needles. And, um, and one day I was hiding in my friend's bathroom and I was taking my last shot. I didn't have any more, I didn't have any more left and I'd had a bunch and I was, cause my husband, his child support hadn't been cut off yet. So he had the children and I was still getting these child support checks that I was spending on drugs. So, mm -hmm. um, and I had become actually before, even in high school though, I had, I was like real, real promiscuous. So my brothers were so embarrassed, you know, cause I was so promiscuous and then, and then the drinking and then the, and, and now the drugs. So you know, I mean, my, my, my family was so embarrassed. Like I can't even imagine, you know, when people would ask about me or something, cause the whole town knew we live in a small town, you know, and my parents, mm -hmm. my, my family were, was just so embarrassed, but you know, cause I would come back to town and I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. I really thought that everybody else was, you know, every, everybody was picking on me. Like I, I'm, you know, I'm sick. Leave me alone. You can't, you can't, you know, I didn't want to be held accountable, you know? Yeah. Mm. And, and I was starting to believe my lies too. I was lying a lot and I was starting to believe mm -hmm. my lies, but, but I, I was on this last bag and um, I had a court hearing the next day for the kids to see if I would be allowed to visit with them. And I was out of town. So I was going to have to travel, you know, uh, about three hours in order to go to this hearing. And I had this dope and I loaded it up into a needle and I put it in my vein and I shot it in there and it was a lot and it was probably enough to kill an elephant.
but mm. I shot it in there. And have you ever seen a whale's blowhole? You know how the the water comes out? Yeah. That's what happened in my arm. That's what happened in my arm. Everything shot back out. And it just looked like what? a fountain. And it was the last that I had, and I was really looking forward to that high. You know, so that know. is that's like an addict's worst nightmare to have a little bit of, you know, to have like some, some dope left and not be able to get high because something like that happens, you know? So I have this mm -hmm. scar on my arm where a gaping hole that you could put your finger in and feel my muscle down in my arm oh my was. Goodness. It was just a gaping hole. Whoa. I put a big bandage, yeah, where that where where those drugs just shot shot out. Oh, um, wow. I and I didn't get high. There was nothing there. There was nothing. Mm. It was all gone. It was all out. I don't know what happened. Several, you know, I've talked to several people about this, and you know, they said some people have said it's bad dope. You got an infection. It blew out. Whatever. No, there's no way to explain that. No way to explain that. And I'm sure it was because I was, my dad was praying for me at that moment. I'm sure of it. It probably you know? could have killed you. It probably yeah, would have killed you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I believe that. So, wow. but I had went to, um, I had went to the court, I, you know, that was really upsetting to me and I just couldn't wait to be able to get money so I could, cause I had planned on quitting after that. But because I couldn't get high that time, because that didn't happen, I was really, really wanting, you know, to get high. So I went to this meeting and I knew more people in, in my hometown than I did where I was anyway. So I couldn't wait to get through that meeting and get through that court hearing so I could go get high. It wasn't that I wanted to see my kids so much. It was because I wanted to get high. So mm. I got there. And I was in these, I had lost so much weight. My pants were too big and they were disgusting. And I probably stunk. And I had on broken flip-flops. And I looked, I know that I had to look just absolutely ridiculous. And I walked in there and my son was there. Mm. My oldest son. And I looked at him and I started crying. And he said, what is wrong with you? Because I was trying to hug him and he pushed me away and he said, what is wrong with you? Go away. Mm. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. But it was the last time I ever got hot. So you didn't get that last time? Did not. It was the last time I ever got hot. The judge told me I wasn't allowed to see my, see my kids that day because he told me to go pass a, go take a drug test and come back. I did. I failed. And he told me I wasn't allowed to see that, my kids that day, but I did go anyway. And the police was right on my tail, but I went anyway. And I told him that I would be back and I would be better. And, um, and, and that's exactly what I did. But, you know, I had this, I want to go back um, 
Oh, goodness. Are you there? Let's see. I lost you there for a minute. You're back. <laughs> I want to get back to when I was 18 and I married um, and I had my first son. And mm -hmm. I had um, I had a dream back then that I didn't know what, what it meant, but I had I always remembered it like it was yesterday. Somebody, I'm sorry, somebody keeps calling. But <laughs> <clears throat> I had this dream that um, that me and my son and my, my husband, my first husband, he was nowhere around. We were still married at the time, but I had a dream that me and my son was in this house and that um, somebody started beating on all the doors and the windows at the same time and the windows were rattling and then a voice come across the TV and it was Satan. I knew it was Satan. I don't remember what the voice said, but it was something about, um, I have you, you're mine. And, and I knew it was Satan for some reason. And a car pulled up and for no matter what I did, I couldn't get away from him. A car pulled up, we escaped in the car, but then this black cloud was chasing us. Then it was in front of us, a face, you know, got a face was in the cloud saying the same thing that they said on the TV. And it was something like, I have you. And mm. um, we couldn't escape it. And then I woke up as the cloud was like overtaking the car and everything. I woke up. Then the next night I had another dream. And these men in a black limo pulled up. They were in black suits. They pulled up. They took me and my son. And my son was just a baby. And I was, I was dressed in um, a black, what is, what is the Middle Eastern women's head wrap called? Uh, a bur is it a burqa? I, f I forget. Anyway, so, I was, I was okay. in that. <laughs> so we need to learn that. But yeah. I was in that and my, um, and my son was just wrapped in a white sheet and we were in this car and we went to this mountain and it had a tree and a little grassy area and it was overlooking this really old city mm. on top. And it was like, we were on top of this mountain overlooking the city. And these guys get us out of the car. We set, he set us down in the grass. I'm holding my son. And they, they said, um, we don't want to do this. We're really sorry. But, you know, we, we don't want to do this. We have to. And I was begging. I knew they, they were going to kill me. And I was begging for my life. And he said, and one of the guys asked me, do you want me to shoot you or the baby first? And I said, shoot the baby first so he doesn't get scared when you shoot me so he shot my son in the head and there was a little tiny look like a little pinhole and a little trickle of blood and that was it was nothing it literally was nothing he wasn't crying he wasn't hurt he was fine and I said why isn't he dying and then they shot me in the head as soon as as soon as I started screaming why isn't he dying they shot me in the head there was nothing same thing a little tiny you know, like pinhole with a, you know, a little bit of blood and I was fine. I started to say, I was crying saying, why am, why am I not dying? Why am I not dying? And they started praising God. They started praising God saying, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You know, and I always thought that that meant, you know, it was God warning me that I knew better than to be doing what I was doing and I needed to straighten mm. up or Satan was going to get, me. well, now I know better. God was warning me. All right. He was telling me, get ready for this ride. But he was promising me eternal life. He mm. knew I was coming back. He knew I would be back. I knew that I was chosen before birth. I know that I was chosen by God before birth. 
and he knew that I was coming back. Mm. And I spent, even after I got sober off of the drugs, you know, I went to a rehab like in, um, in Utah. It was an outpatient thing where I um, went to this place every day and I got clean and I gained a lot of weight and mm -hmm. I got clean. My husband and I, my, I remember I told you that my husband divorced me. I lost everything we had and he divorced me. I ended up remarrying another man who was an alcoholic and we drank together a lot. And um, I kept praying that, you know, I just kept praying and kept praying because I, I was still drinking and, um, but I knew what I needed to do. And I knew that God was still there for some reason, even though everything that I had done, I knew, I, I knew that the, you know, the presence of God was still there so strong. And when mm. I would ask God for a sign for what I was supposed to do, he would, every time I didn't always listen, but every time he showed me. So I knew he was there clear through all of that. He was there all mm. of that. You know, and so in the, in the end, whenever I, um, whenever I, I come back to Buchanan, I said, you know, you've given me the sign that I need to be with my husband and my children so many times. So if that's so, because my husband had a girlfriend, my ex-husband at the time, he had a girlfriend and everything. And, and the husband that I was married to, the alcoholic, he was, you know, uh, there was just, you know, too much happening there. I said, there's no way that this is going to work out with, you know, because there's just too much happening. Like it's over with my, you know, I just wanted my family back. And, um, when I prayed that prayer about God opening the door, if that's what, you know, I said, you know, you keep giving me the sun, you know, open that door for me if this is what you want. And remind, and now I'm still drinking too at this point. Hmm. And God opened that door and I got my family back. It just kind of happened overnight. And I, <laughs> and I got my family back and I'm still drinking. I was still drinking at this time and God keeps doing, you know, he was doing all this stuff for me, you know, I mean, he saved my life. I don't know how many times and I, you know, and I was still drinking and then just, you know, I started, um, you know, kind of looking back over my life one day and thinking about God and thinking about everything that God had done for me. And by this time I got, a, I got four kids in active addiction. We have eight mm. children all together because I have two stepchildren. But by this time, I've got four kids in active addiction. Half of our children are in active addiction. Mm, and I wow. back and I just over my, you know, about my life and all the things that God had done for me. And, you know, all the times that he had saved my life because, you know, I skipped through a lot of stuff just because I probably shouldn't say it publicly because there's a lot of bad stuff happened to me, you know, um, you know, from rape, um, hmm. getting buckshot, um, stabbed. There's a lot of bad things that happened. So it was, you know, I got jumped by a gang. There's just a lot of bad. God really, there's only one way for me to have gotten out of so many things. And that God still had me because he chose me from birth. He chose me from before birth. That's just Amen. how it so, but I started looking back and my daughter, I was trying to get my daughter in jail 
because I wanted her to live because she was, she was on heroin and I just, I just wanted her to live. I knew that she wasn't coming back by herself. I knew that. Mm -hmm. I knew that it was going to take something. She had two kids that my husband and I were taking care of and I knew that she wasn't coming back by herself and she's such a good person and she was such a good mother. And I, I knew I, I was scared to death. I just knew she was going to die if something didn't happen. So I was trying to get her in jail. And that finally happened. And I started mm. praying. I, I went to, everything started happening and the kids were crying and she was crying and, and all this stuff was happening, happening around me with these four kids in active addiction and, and just every, all this stuff was happening. And I just went to my room and this is the first time that I had prayed in a long time because remember God had given me everything I wanted. He had given me my family back. He had got, you know, I mean, I was clean from the, from the heroin and the cocaine, you know, I was clean from the drug addiction and the opiate addiction and all that. And, and, you know, we, we had our home and God had given me this whole life back, you know, after everything that I had done, he'd given me this whole life back. And it's the first time that I'd prayed in a long time. And I just went to my room and I just got on my knees and I was like, God, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Where are you? Where are you? And he said, I'm right here. He said, I'm right here. And he said, look at everything I've done. And it just, it just dawned on me. Like he, he basically listed everything they did. He's like, look, she's in jail. She's fine. She's going to live. You know, I, he, he was basically telling me if, you know, look at everything I've done for you and you think I can't handle this. <laughs> you what? know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean? What was I thinking? You know? So that's when the drinking stopped right then and there. That's so that was completely, I've, I've been clean from the drugs um, for almost 17 years. The alcohol, so awesome. the alcohol has been uh, four years five years, I think, four or five years. But that wasn't my daughter's life. When I got her in jail, she, she ended up getting out and she was still in trouble, but she ended up getting out and going back to the drugs and then going back to jail. And she ended up going to prison for, um, for a year. And now, oh my goodness, she's been clean for a little over two years. And wow. she is the best mommy we got her back. We got my daughter back and she is the best mommy in the whole world. And she's just, you know, she, she just tries so hard. She wants to take care of me and her dad, you know, and she just tries so hard. Yeah. And then we have, um, my son who has schizophrenia and he was an active addiction. Um, he is, he's actually clean now. He, he actually, I think he, he messed up a couple months ago after being clean for over a year, but he's back and doing, doing better. And my other daughter that was in active addiction, she is, she's been clean for, she's been clean for three years. So, and then, so awesome. and then my stepson, my stepson lives in South Carolina and he is clean and he just had, he's got two children so he, ever since he started having kids, he started trying to get, get himself cleaned up. But 
now all of the kids are clean. I'm clean. There's no drinking. You know, <laughs> you know. Hallelujah. Back. Yeah, God is good. Yes. And, you know, I, you know, for God, if God can do these things in my life, you know, there's so many things, you know, and for anybody to not have faith, when they're praying, you know, that faith is all it takes. Yeah. That faith is all it takes. You do not have to do it yourself. People, you know, need to realize anybody who's in active addiction or who is having a hard time. I don't care if you're sleeping in a cardboard box in an alley somewhere and you've got a needle sticking in your arm right now. There is nothing nothing that God can't do. There's nothing that God can't turn around. Absolutely nothing. I and believe it, it. It will happen so fast, so fast, mm -hmm. you know, and all you need is just a little tiny bit of faith. You just need to ask for it. Yeah. And you just need a tiny little bit of faith. It's true. And then, and then to, you know, to repent means to turn away from, that's all you have to do. It's, it, it is actually very easy. And as I said before, you know, I feel like my ministry <coughs> is in the, in the, you know, cause I have a mental illness and my, my kids suffer with mental illness and, you know, to, um, is in that, that area. My ministry is with those, with, with those people with mental illness and the people that Christians have a hard time understanding and communicating with like the LBGTQ community, um, you know, mentally ill and, and people in addiction, because, you know, I, I went downtown with some paper bags full of uh, packed lunches and like little meals and stuff. And we had a, a bunch of homeless people and addicts living under a bridge in town. I went down there and I was giving people like food and you know, candy and different things like that, you know, drinks and things. And, um, somebody said, you know, why would you do that? They're there because they want to be. That's not always true. It's I don't not think always true. one ever chooses to be an addict. No, no. nobody. Yeah. You probably nobody just says when I grow day, up, I want to be an addict. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I'm sure you didn't wake up and say, Hey, I, I'm going to, I'm try some drugs today and see what happens. Yeah. I don't think that was ever part of your, from the story you just told, I don't think that was your plan. No, absolutely not. It wasn't your not. choice. No, it was, it was not. And, and that's something that a lot of people, um, it's pretty, you know, a lot of people argue about is whether, um, addiction is a choice or a disease. And, mm -hmm. You know, that first, sometimes, sometimes that, that first choice, that's not always, it's not always black and white like that. It's not always, uh, I'm going to try this drug just because I want to see what it feels like to get high. No, I tried that drug so I could function. Yes, I right. just wanted to function. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's how a lot of people feel. You know, they, they don't try it because they want to, um, they just want to be high, you know, they try it so they can function. 
Mm-hmm. So they can be, they, they think that it makes them be a better parent. They think it makes them be a more responsible, more organized person because it actually does in the beginning. You know, it always starts out like that. It, yeah. it always helps in the beginning. And that's something a lot of people need to understand is that it does help in the beginning. And that's why, that's, that's why we have addiction. Right. Because, you know, it, it, it's not about, you know, it's, it's not about like, uh, you know, do I want to choose to live in the gutter today or mm-hmm. do I want to choose to have, you know, have a nice house or, you know, on the hill or, or, you know, or whatever. It's not about that. It's about, I, I want to function today so I can be a productive citizen, Yeah. you know, and then the addiction just takes over. And when, you know, when you're high, go ahead. You're next thing you know, you're spiraling out of control and thinking you're hiding it from everyone. I'm sure you probably thought that nobody knew. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought that I was, wow. I thought I was really sneaky, you know, and the hardest habit I ever broke was lying because I even, I even realized I was still lying after I was clean. Mm. I would lie about stuff because I, you know, I'm embarrassed. I was so embarrassed and so ashamed of myself. After you get clean, it takes, it takes up to two years for your brain to, to heal itself and for mm-hmm. you to start thinking clearly again. And so oh. even after I got clean, I started, I, I, I had a hard time. It's the hardest habit I ever broke actually was the lying, you know, because I was so embarrassed. My family was embarrassed and you know, I didn't want them to know certain things and I didn't want, you know, I didn't want to look, I I was, I was so ashamed of myself. I didn't want to look like an addict. I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want that to be, to define who I was, you know, and ashamed to be around all of these people that my kids played ball with and that my kids, you know, went to school with and I met all these parents all, you know, on the ball field and things like that. They knew, yeah. you know, they, they knew what I had done. And, you know, even though they were all shocked, you know, they, they, they knew and they, and it, there were actually, there's still parents who would not let their child come to my house. Mm. You know, my kids would say, you know, Hey mom, can my friend come over? And once I got on the phone with their parent and told them who I was, that it was over. They weren't allowed mm. anymore. You know, my kids were allowed to go to their house. They weren't allowed to come to my house. So, you know, we still, you know, it, it's not always, it's not, you know, just because you get clean doesn't mean everything's over. Doesn't mean that everything is um, all sunshine and roses now. It means right. that, it means that God is working on it. And it doesn't matter what, you know, it, it doesn't matter what, um, anybody else thinks it's what the the only goal that anybody should ever have in their life is to is building their heavenly you know building god's heavenly kingdom you know that's that's the main goal that anybody should have and Mm -hmm. those people who are doing that will understand Mm -hmm. those people will um will be there you'll be able to communicate with those people you know spirits connect that's just how it is yeah. You know, and I feel like our spirits connected and that's why you invited me on here. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Well, you know, I, I know people who have suffered from addiction and, you know, some who have actually lost their lives because of addiction. Yes. I know it's, mm-hmm. I, I find it miraculous that you were able to walk away with your life intact because that doesn't happen all the no, time. No, you were chosen. <laughs> yeah, we were lost. We we've lost a lot of um, people here to you know to addiction that lost the battle with addiction. We we have to live with it, you know, every day. And yeah. but you know, God can um, God can change anything. There there's no way I did not do this. I didn't walk away. God pulled me away. Yeah. I, I can't take any credit. I'm not a strong person. I am a very, very weak, weak person. There is no way I could have done any of this. There's no way I could have gotten my family back. I don't think my kids even wanted to look me in my eyes after, you know, mm-hmm. there's my kids. I, we, we have, um, Oh, I lost again. Are we there? Okay. You're back. My kids, my kids are so, um, my kids and my husband, I, I just, I, I, I don't know how they could, there's only one way that they were, they, they could have been able to forgive me for everything that I've done. And that's, you know, that's Jesus shining through me. That's the only way, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. I mean, gee, I, I have, I don't deserve what I have. I don't deserve it one little bit. You know, I don't deserve the love of my husband and my children, but I have it. God gave it to me and I, and I'm going to hold on to it so tight. And I do, you know, That's but, um, but I, there's no way I could have done, done any of this without Christ. There's no way, you know, people, people think, um, you know, they're so weak and they can't, and there's no way that they can do it. And, and they can, all they have to do is grab a hold of Christ. That's it. Right. That's all you have to do. It right. is so easy. Was there, was there ever a time during your recovery that you felt like you could easily slip back down or did you always, once you started that, did you just hang on for dear life and and never look back? Like I'm always wondered about that, like with addiction, what happens in that process? You know, there are a lot of people who, um, who slip back in really easily and I've seen it and I've been, you know, I have so many friends who's who's done it and um i've just seen it happen you know working with addicts and stuff like that i've seen it happen so much for me once i was done i was done you know like for me i think that you know when god jerked me up out of it and literally jerked me up out of it and that's Mm -hmm. how it felt and that's what it looks like to me now you know i mean when god jerked me up out of it it was over it was just over for me, you know, I can't, you know, I'm trying to think of a time that I felt like I could, um, go backwards. And I, you know, I felt like that a couple times, like, you know, um, maybe, but it was only while drinking, you know, like, yeah. Oh, maybe I can, maybe I can do this, you know, just hang out or something for a little bit. And it, it seems like, I immediately sobered up. It's like, you know, like I said, God jerked me out of it. And a lot of people think that you cannot have Jesus 
and still be in that kind of sin. Like I was still drinking. Remember I said that I was still drinking for a few years and that's not true because we all have, we all have, you know, we're all sinners saved by grace. We're, we're all sinners. And Mm -hmm. that drink, you know, that drinking was my sin, you know, uh, during that time in my life, you know, I still, I still have problems. I mean, I still sin, you know, um, you know, there's, we all do. There's, I, I have to ask for forgiveness every day for something. You know, I get mm-hmm. mad at people or my mouth gets <laughs> overloaded. You know, I, I have to remind myself every day, Proverbs 3.13, you know, I have to remind myself every day that this mouth could cause me so much destruction, you know, and mm-hmm. the Bible tells us that it's much better to die for, you know, for our bodies to die than our souls. Yeah. And we just have to keep that in mind. Right. But yeah, yeah, I am. Steph and I have talked about the fact that we, we both have been Christians for years. We've had Jesus in our hearts for years, but there were times for both of us that we were going through time in those 10 years, we call them or something similar. Like we, we were, I don't want to call it, resisting or pulling away but we weren't yes. we weren't where we should be we were yes. we were allowing right. too much sin into our lives even though yeah we, were, we considered ourselves christians and yeah you right. know that and we all do it yeah and i kind of yeah. felt like i was living that double life when i was going through that time because you know it's like you said you knew i knew i shouldn't be doing some of the things i was doing yeah i knew that and yep. I felt guilty about it, but yet yeah. I still made the choice to go do it. And yeah. I think that was because at that, and you know, something you said toward the beginning about growing up in the church, cause I also grew up in the church. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up with that foundation, but you said you didn't really learn about the Bible much and you didn't. Yeah. And I think what happened with me is I also didn't really learn about the Bible that much. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't walking with Christ at that time. Yes, yeah. I had confessed and accepted yes. him as my savior, but I wasn't walking in that relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. And when yeah. I started to walk in that relationship, that's when I can see a shift in my life choices. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Once once I started building, a, you're absolutely right about that, because once I started building, you know, that relationship and, you know, praying daily and talking to God, just spending time with God, you know, mm-hmm. and that's another thing that people don't realize when you ask God to come into your heart and you can, you confess your sins and, and, you know, you ask for forgiveness and you repent. Um, nobody can love somebody they don't know really. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. I mean, it's, it's easy for me to love people. I can meet you one time and I love you. You know what I mean? I'm just, I'm, I'm that kind of person. I, you know, I just love everybody, but you know, you can't, you know, you can't love somebody unless you know them and getting to know Christ is you have to spend time with him. You've got to spend time in his word. And I don't know about you guys, but when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm by myself, I'm talking to God about, about it. You know, I'm talking to him. I'm, I'm, I don't pray like, like most people pray, you know, when I talk to Christ, I talk to Christ, you know, and that right, I do the same thing a lot daily, all day long, yeah. you know, 
there's just so many times, you know, I'm just, you know, if you ever see me talking to myself, it's because I'm, you know. It's not really yourself. You're talking to God. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And we have to, we have to build that relationship, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, we have to get to know him. And, and I, I have a friend on, um, and he's on my Facebook and he comments on my stuff sometimes, but he's an atheist and he is, he's such a good guy. He's one of the best guys I've ever met in my life, but he's an atheist and he is always saying, you know, you're, you're, you've got a weak mind is why you believe in God and things like that. And, you know, I, I was, and I tell him, you know, millions of people, millions and millions of people know there's a God. They know there's a God. Do you ever wonder why they know there's a God? Because God reveals himself to anybody who wants to know. Yep. Uh -huh. You know, he, he, I mean, for somebody there's no way that anybody could convince somebody like, like you and I that, that have, you know, got to know Jesus, you know, there's no way that somebody, cause he's tried to convince me several times. There's not a God. You can't convince me of something that I, you know, that I have felt and I know, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you just, you know, I can't convince him because he's never felt it. He doesn't, yeah. mm -hmm. he doesn't know. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So if, you know, so you can't really convince an atheist unless they're, unless they're willing to open their minds and open their hearts, Right. you know, well, open their hearts really, because you know, your mind really has mm -hmm. nothing to do with it. Like he thinks they think that your mind has everything to do with it, but it's really not <laughs> has yeah. nothing to do with it. It's a heart issue. Yes, it's definitely. <laughs> yeah. It's and let me tell you, God is so good. Yes. Yes. I mean, God is so good. And, you know, people think that, you know, there are things that we can't do as Christians. There are things that we want to do that we can't do as Christians. Right. But, you know, like I said before, if you take that, if you could put time on a ruler, you couldn't see this life we have here on earth in a microscope. Yeah. You could not see it in the most powerful microscope in the world because this time is so little compared mm -hmm. to eternity. Mm -hmm. So this life was not meant to be easy. You know, it's, it's our eternity yeah. that we're working for now. Yeah. And that is meant to be easy, not this life. Right. You know, and if we can't, mm. if we can't walk away from certain things, just in this very short, tiny little time, just for our eternity, you know, what's wrong? <laughs> and Jesus gives us boundaries to protect us. Yeah. That's exactly right. There's always to protect a reason us because for everything. We might want to do something, but that something could be very dangerous for us. Absolutely. I don't Absolutely. feel like I'm missing out on anything. I don't. Neither do I. Oh, me neither now. Me neither. <laughs> I, I, I actually feel like I went, you know, I know I went way too far. Like there was. Uh... <laughs> what happened? I think we lost her. Are you coming back, Tish? <laughs> Are you there? Oh, what no. Happened? Have we lost her Technology. for Technology. Ah. <laughs> well. Oh, my gosh. 
she she may not make it back to us this time. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll just wrap up our show for the evening. This may be a good time but, to say. Oh, that was an amazing testimony. That was yes. an amazing testimony. And I am so thankful that she was willing to share with us. Um, yes. She's right. God is so, there's nothing he can't do. Yeah. She's very brave to share her story. And I'm sure when she sees this later, she'll hear us say, thank you, Tish, for joining us. It was very, very, very nice to have you on the show. And yes. I, I pray, I pray that um, this will reach someone who really needs it. I think that all of us have been affected by addiction in one way or another. So oh, yes. um, you may not even know it. <laughs> But right there's well and addiction doesn't limit itself to drugs or alcohol yeah you yeah. know that too and right. even even beyond the addiction there's always there's things that everybody struggles with yeah anger be anger that could be an issue yeah you know but like so, she said god is good amen he can do anything he can pull you grab you by the hair and pull you out like <laughs> yank you right out that's my he released us pull the right eyes <laughs> grab your yank you right out yeah <laughs> yes, all right he can. he can release us from anything he can we just have to allow it yes. be willing yeah. exactly all right well thanks for hanging out tonight steph <laughs> no and problem and thanks will. again tish <laughs> We'll uh, hopefully talk to you again very soon. And um, thank you for watching Limitless Chatter.